Uh, and so it's, got, it's a season of fantastic just ministry and input and just saying, God, what are you saying to us in a time such as this? Amen. And so with that, uh, it's my delight, my absolute joy to invite Pastor Nikki, as I mentioned, just a little brief. Pastor, the, the first time we crossed paths was way, way back. This must be going, I think, 17 years ago when Lyra and I were sitting in this auditorium at a believers meeting uh, and at that time God just dropped one word about two or three weeks before that into my spirit saying Chris I'm taking you to the UK it was a Monday morning I'm doing my work in my office I was bivocational not thinking about the ministry at that point of time making sure my report went out at 9.05 and the Lord drops that word anyway we decided if the Lord said this he has to make it happen we decided not to say anything to anybody Neither our parents, our friends, our leaders, nothing. So we're quiet. And then, of course, uh, Pastor Nikki and his dad were invited to speak at that meeting. And during the meeting, he called Lyra and me up uh, to the stage. It was quite a big gathering. And he was praying, and he was praying for us. And he said, as I'm praying, I see the map of Europe. <laughs> and he said a few other things. And that was a confirmation. The first confirmation in the, the few confirmations that God was saying yes I am in this, and about a year from that, I was here in the UK. And so, a man of God, a man who moves in the prophetic, he travels all over the world, pastors a church in South Carolina, uh, and also, interestingly, God used him to restart the Bible College of Wales uh, in Swansea, along with the pastors in that's a story. That's another story for another day, but it's incredible. But what I um, always am touched by, by Pastor Nicky, is his, hum- his humility and his simplicity. No airs or graces, simply carrying the glory of God and delivering it and giving him all the glory. Let's put our hands together. Welcome Pastor Nicky this morning. Amen. Well, praise God. God is a good God, and the devil is still a bad devil. (laughs) It's uh, uh, such a joy for me um, to be here, uh, especially not only in Wales, but in this church with pastors um, Chris and Lyra, and just to see what God is doing and to hear the testimonies of of God's love and power that is shed abroad in this church and through this church. Um, in this city and so uh, I came here about probably a month ago or something just to come in and uh, for a few hours to have lunch with uh, Pastor Chris and and as soon as I walked in the presence of God that was just felt I know that you are people who hunger for God and so I'm so glad uh, to be here Uh, as Chris said uh, uh, you know I I say it like this I'm Indian by race uh, Christian by grace and American by craze as a born in India and, and, and some years ago me and our family we moved to the United States and I pastor a church in America and I'm here to teach at the Bible College of um, Wales in, in Swansea and so for tomorrow I, I go there and, and, and start my teaching week there but also I have a, a few people from my church also with me here we have Brother Naru uh, he's also a pastor in our church and, and, and travels with me 
me and things like that and then also we have steven and debbie um, you know actually debbie is our worship leader so she has an off this morning <laughs> and of course steven who runs our office and, and and things like that so such a joy uh, to be here um i usually um when i speak i usually use a powerpoint and i'm a very methodical just kind of step by step and so uh, i want to just you know uh, turn on the powerpoint and just kind of take you a direction and just speak something i felt the holy spirit laid upon my heart uh, to kind of pass it on to you this morning and so i'd encourage you to maybe take notes encourage you to write down if you don't have any place to write down uh, after the book of malachi there's a blank page um but 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 uh, you know god thought his word is so important that he wrote it down so when you come to the house of god and when you open your life to the uh, word of god you know i want to encourage you to always have something to write down it's amazing that god speaks to people who would honor his word i always tell people this is yes this is no this is i don't care and so uh, can i just pray and and can we begin Uh, I, i put my timer on cuz yeah okay let's pray father we thank you for this time together in your house among your people and lord we open up our lives to your word that you would speak to us that you would guide us that you make a deposit in our life and open our hearts to the new place and new things that you have for us in this season holy spirit as i talk that you teach as i talk i pray that you would release medicine and bring healing and wholeness to the lives of your people and in all that happens in this place we'll be careful to give you all the glory the honor and the praise in jesus name Amen. 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 You know this morning I want to talk on this theme called recognizing a visitation of God. recognizing a visitation of god you know every one of us we have this desire inside of us whether we vocalize it or not that we want an encounter with god we want to meet with god we want you know some kind of interaction with god and many times that god interacts and then god intervenes but people fail to recognize in the different ways that god moves in the different ways that god intervenes and interjects in man's affairs and so i want to title this recognizing a visitation of god you know the great commission tells us this the great commission says go into all the world and that world does not mean go to china and africa it can mean that but it also means going to the world of sports going to the world of politics going to every kind of world education amen going to those worlds and then he says listen and do what and give voice to the gospel preach the gospel give voice to the gospel give voice to the gospel and one of the entities that we do that through is the local church and i'm so glad to be in a local church here this morning why because god loves the church amen god is building his church which is you and me amen the church the bible says something like this the bible says the church is made up of living stones I'm glad it doesn't say bricks. Because bricks are boring. They're all the same shape, same size. And you look at a brick wall, it's brick 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 brick. But 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 stones 
I'm not talking about those fake stones, but, but the real stones, it's hard to put the stones together. They're all different shapes, different sizes, and, and you have to chisel them, makes a lot of noise, it's painful, and you have to put them together. And so church is very tough. It's very high. Why? It's different, different people carrying different, different stories. And God brings them under his presence and puts us together. And a lot of times that putting together is painful. People say, oh, you you know, church is, this church is so nice. Well, you haven't been here a long time. Because after some time, you begin to realize how people are. You begin to realize what takes them off, what upset. And you begin to realize, wow, is this the same person who stands up, jumps and dances? And how can he behave? But please understand, we've all got a story. We've all got issues. But it's God by his spirit and by his word. He puts us together. He gives us a voice and every church, I, I believe every church according to the scripture has what I call a fourfold voice. Number one, you have a redemptive voice. That as a church, your responsibility is to redeem those things that have been lost. Those things that are far away from God. Whether there are people, whether there are laws or whether there are things that belong in the kingdom of God. You have to have a redemptive voice to bring back those things that has been lost. Number two, you have a prophetic voice. That you are supposed to speak out and say what Jesus has in mind. His blueprint for your life, for the city, for the nation. The church is to be to have a prophetic voice. It's not to draw a circle and say, hey, we are fine in these four walls. No, you need to have a prophetic voice. Number three, you have a moral voice. You have a moral voice. Why? Because nobody knows what morality is anymore. And it's the Bible that kind of gives us the laws for living in tune with God. Am I making sense to you? It's not the government. It's not groups of people. But it's the word of God that is given voice to that brings morality back into our lives, into our communities, and into our nation. And number four, every church is to have what I call a humanitarian voice. That God has called the church to meet the needs of its community. Am I making sense to you? And then the Bible says something like this. The Bible says, I will be with you always. Amen. He said, listen, this is only possible. How? By the presence of God. Everybody say presence of God. Come on, one more time. When we talk about the presence of God in the Bible, we talk about the presence of God in three different ways. And I just use it to remember easily. All words starts with the word A. You know, number one, I said is the awesome presence of God. Everybody say awesome. awesome. What does that mean? That means that God is omnipresent. That God can choose to be anywhere he wants to be. Amen. That's number one. God is omnipresent. Number two is what I call the abiding presence. That means God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. The second level of the presence of God is this. That the Bible says in Colossians 1, Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of 
glory. Amen. It's the abiding presence of God. And so we don't enter the presence of God. We don't exit the presence of God. That's Old Testament. We entered, we exited all day long. But today we carry the presence of God. Amen. And so there is no such thing as let's get into the presence of God. No, either you're in it or you're not, period. Am I making sense to you? I don't come to church to get into the presence of God. Hello, somebody. I already have the presence of God. Am I making sense to you? I don't come to church to get filled in the Holy Spirit. I stay filled. If there is anything I come together is to get overfilled. Hello, somebody. Come on, look at your neighbor for a moment. Look at them. It might require some faith, but look at them eye to eye. Say, neighbor. Come on. Say, neighbor. You look like you're getting overfilled. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And so, the third level of the presence of God is what I call the amazing presence of God. And that means this, that God at times chooses to manifest his presence for a special purpose, for a special reason. It's when a church cries out to God for revival. It's when a city cries out to God for a move of God. It's when people at the point where they're up against the wall cries to God for a breakthrough. That God at times manifest his presence is what we call the amazing presence of God that the Holy Spirit manifests through you amen and so when we talk of the presence of God in the Bible there are a lot of verses for example there are verses like this in Matthew we just read 28 it says this I am with you always and then there is another verse it says this in Matthew 18 20. It says, where two or three are gathered, there am I. And you think, okay, are you with us? Or is it when we gather two or three together? Then there is another verse. It says this, it says, God is enthroned on the praises of his people. That means when we begin to come together and praise God, God comes in and builds a chair and establishes his throne. And you wonder, which one is it? Is God with me all the time? Or is it like two or three people? Or, 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 or is it like when I praise God? And, and then it goes on to say in Isaiah chapter number uh, 6, it says this, <laughs> I saw the Lord <laughs> sitting on a throne. Okay? And the Bible says, it says listen, is that, is in the temple, the whole temple began to get filled with the presence of God. And it's like, okay, which one is it? Is God with me all the time? Is it when I'm with two, three people? Is it when I praise God? Is it when I come to church? And please understand, when it comes to the presence of God, all those avenues are valid. But what does that mean? That simply means this, that please understand, each avenue, God releases something about Him that you cannot know any other way. And so you can sit at home, Read your Bible, pray, and have a relationship with God. You don't need to come to church. And you can experience God. But please understand, that's not all there is to God. There's another layer that is pulled back when two or three agree together. And you come in small groups, or you come in life groups, or whatever it is, in community groups. You experience God. God pulls back a layer about Him that could not be seen any other way. 
When you begin to praise God, God pulls back another layer. Cannot be seen any other way. When you come to church and get involved in church and, and involved in building relationships and involved in serving, suddenly you get to know God on a whole different level. Am I making sense to you? And so when we talk about the presence of God, the Bible says there's an interesting verse in the book of Chronicles. It says something like this. And if my clicker would come. In 2 Chronicles chapter number 2, verses 1, verses 3 and 4, it says this. It says, very interesting verse. It says this. Oops. And Solomon and all the assembly, a united nation with him, went to the high place that was at Gibeon. Everybody say Gibeon. And for the tent of meeting of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness, was there. But David had brought up the ark of God from Kirjath Jerim to the place David had prepared for it. For he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. And this is an interesting verse. Why? Because in this time, there was this city of Jerusalem, seven miles north. There's another city called Gibeon. At Gibeon, there was what we call the tabernacle of Moses. Remember the tabernacle of Moses? Having three parts, holy of holies, holy place, and the outer court. All the sacrifices were being offered. Seven miles north. But at Jerusalem, there was no tabernacle except a tent that David made. But the difference was this. In that tent was the ark of God. The ark was symbolic of the presence of God among his people people. Seven miles north in Gibeon, (laughs) the tabernacle of Moses, all the religious activity, but no presence. Hello somebody. They have all the religious activity. Fasting on Mondays, Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday women's fellowship. Thursday, school and prison ministry. All activities going on. But no presence of God. But it speaks about the two types of churches that we have in today's day. There are what we call Jerusalem churches and there are what we call Gibeonite churches. Those churches who are hungry for the presence of God. Who are churches who really want God with them. They're not worried about activity. They're worried about this one thing and that is they want intimacy with God. Why? Because the Bible says this. The Bible says in the book of, uh, when you read the story of Israel, the Bible says that Israel had this, what I call four constant sins. Number one, immorality. Number two, injustice. Number three, idolatry. Number four, ignoring the prophetic voice of God. When you study the children of Israel, you find this cycle again and again, again and again. And this cycle is a cycle of bondage in their life. Why? Because number one, they embrace immorality. Number two, injustice. Number three, idolatry. And number four, they ignore the prophetic voice of God. Well, isn't the cycle we are in today? More than ever before, in any nations of the world, you go to, we have an increase of immorality like never before. Of injustice like never before. Idolatry to the likes of we can't recognize. And an ignorance 
of the prophetic voice of God. Am I making sense? You see, I was born in a Christian family. My dad is a pastor. In my personal family, there are 29 pastors. I never wanted to be a pastor. I said, the last thing I'll ever do on the face of this earth is become a pastor. The Bible says the last shall be first. <laughs> and and, and I, I've got family who has pastors in all kinds of denominations, I mean de- denominations, all kinds of them. For us, going to church was fun because we've been in all kinds of churches. Nikki, what do you mean? We've been in those kind of ch- I mean, it was better to go to a committee meeting. Why? Because there was a lot more action there than watching WWF wrestling. Why? Because some of these committee meeting people would come with hockey sticks. If it didn't go their way, I mean, they just had it out. So I grew up in all kinds of weird kind of churches. But please understand, at the age of 17, something happened. God came in. At the age of 17, I was in a hotel called Best West in a city called Chicago in a room number 132. I was taking shower all by myself. I came out of the shower and suddenly Jesus appeared to me. Called me by my name. And said two things that day to me. And one of the things was, Nikki, I'm going to send you to the nations of the world to preach the gospel of faith, hope, and love. I was a 17-year-old kid. Having an accent. Never did well in anything else. (laughs) And God says, you're going to be going to the nations of the world to preach the gospel. I said, God, I don't know. I don't think so. Because please understand, I was the type of kid when I went to school, if the teacher asked me a question, I'll start crying. So please understand, preaching is not a dream, it's a nightmare. <laughs> when you have people staring at you, it's not like the best thing in the world for me. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? I wouldn't call me to preach. You know, but, but, but God touched and anointed and sent me. Today we've been in more than 85 nations preaching the gospel. All kinds of people from churches of 10 people to 70,000 people. Why? Not because of anything to do with Nikki, but everything to do with the presence of God. That's what makes the difference. It's the anointing that makes the difference. And the Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter number 16, it says this. I like this verse. And it says in Luke 7, verse 16, in the New King James, it says, Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. What was happening? Jesus was going around and healing people and raising the dead and blessing people. And the Bible says, fear came. They glorified God and they said, God has visited. Everybody say visited. I like the message Bible in this translation, in this verse. The message Bible, it reads something like this. It says, they all realized they were in a place of holy mystery. That God was at work among them. They were quietly worshipful. But noisily grateful. Calling out among themselves. God is back. Looking to the needs of his people. 
They, they, they say quietly worship, but they're noisily grateful like they won the football game. I mean, they were noisily grateful. And they were saying, hey, God is back. God is back. God is back. God is back. He's taking care of needs. God is back. He's raising the dead. God is back. He's restoring relationships. God is back. He's delivering people. God is back. That was happening in one side of the city. The other side of the city, Luke chapter number 19. It says this in Luke chapter number 19. Jesus, looking over the city, he rebukes them. And he says, you did not progressively come to recognize and know and understand from observation and experience the time of your visitation. That is when God was visiting you, the time in which God shows his favor and offered you salvation. One sign, quietly worshipful, noisily grateful. God, we want you. God is back. The other side, Jesus is rebuking and saying, hey, you missed your time of visitation. You failed to recognize your visitation. Isn't that what happens in church today? One person, (laughs) they're worshipping him. The other person is chewing gum, looking at the window like. Not not you people, you people very nice. (laughs) I'm talking about Newport, not not here. God was visiting. One is recognizing. The other thing. Isn't that what happened on the cross? One thief recognized and opened the door to salvation. The other thief failed to recognize and went down the wrong door. Am I making sense? And then so the Bible says he has visited. So all through the Bible it uses these words in the English language. Sometimes the English language is very boring. It uses the word he visited his people. He has visited. God visits the earth. His visitation has preserved my life. All throughout the Bible, the Old Testament was written in the uh, Hebrew language, the New Testament in the Greek language. And so it uses different, different words in, in, in the Bible. For example, it, in, in, in the language, in, in the Greek language, it uses the word called pakad for the word visitation. It uses the word called pakuda. It's like, what does that mean? Sometimes you got to go look at it. Why? Because sometimes the English language is very boring. For example, I love my wife. <laughs> I love pizza. You use the same word for pizza and your wife. Hopefully you have a little bit more passion for your wife than pizza. You understand what I'm trying to say. And and the English language, every 20 years, it changes. Nobody knows what it means. For example, if I look at Chris and, and I say, you know, Chris, what he says you can depend on. If he's a man of his word, he says meet at four o'clock. He shows up at four o'clock. We use in the English language the word called credible. He say, that's a credible man. But if, if Chris says one thing, does another thing, can't depend on him. We use another preposition in front of it called in. Incredible. That means he's unbelievable. (laughs) And then we say sometimes weird things like, God is incredible. Here's what you're saying. He's unbelievable. (laughs) 
no wonder you're having a hard time. <laughs> so sometimes you got to go back to the Greek and find out what it says. Am I making sense to you? Because some words, they, 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 they just, like the word awe, A-W-E, awe, right? I stand, I stand in awe of you. Awe means honorable, fearful in a right way. It, it, it means someone respectable. And, and then something is, is full of it, we say the word called awful. <laughs> that means you're full of honor, full of respect. But somewhere down the line, good word went bad. <laughs> and so sometimes you can't trust the English, so, so you got to go back. And so this is what I've done. I've done some homework for you. And I'm going to go very fast and paint you five pictures. What are those pictures about? They are of the pictures of the word called visit or visitation in the Greek language. Can I, can I do that? Can I do that? Huh? Let's do this fast. I've got my timer on. Let, let's do this fast. So here's five pictures in the Greek language and the Hebrew language of the word visitation. That means every time you see the word visit or visitation in the Bible, it's a different Greek word. Why? Because there's a reason for it. And so when we say, God, visit gateway, God, visit Wales, we've got to embrace these five pictures. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? And, and so the, the, these pictures, I, I wrote it down in a way that you can understand and, and be, it'll be helpful to you. Can I do that a few minutes? Number one, number one. Five pictures. Number one. In visitation, number one. Number one. God comes as a doctor and gives prescription. That's one of the words, pakan. It means God comes as a doctor and gives you prescription. This is what to do to fix your illness. Hello, somebody. You see, when you are sick, when you got cough, cold, whatever, and you go see the doctor, you're not expecting instant healing. You're expecting him to write down a prescription. You take that thing for two times a day for the next seven days and see if it helps you or it gets better. He gives you a prescription. Many times what happens is people think, I've got a problem in my marriage. I've got a problem with my health. I've got a problem with, with my finances. I'm going to come to church. Pastor Chris is going to lay hands. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to get up and everything will be okay. It doesn't work like that. Many times God will come to you and give you a prescription. Do this. I don't want to do that. I want you to lay your magic hand over me. I fall down and everything should be okay. Hello, somebody. There's a little girl in a, in a Syrian general, general a commander, Naaman, in his house. He was leprosy. And the little girl goes, hey, listen, if you go to the prophet Elisha, he will pray for you and you'll be okay. And so this guy had no choice and so he gets up and he goes sees the prophet. The prophet doesn't want to see him. He said, hey, listen, don't worry. Don't need to see me. Go down to the river, dip seven times. You'll be okay. Well, Naaman gets upset. Does he not know who I am? Doesn't he want to see me? And what happens? God gives him instructions. <laughs> Go and dip seven times. Why? Because please understand, Naaman had a problem which a lot of people do. Not you. You people are very nice. I'm just talking to you so that you, when you meet them, you'll recognize. 
Naaman had a big problem. What problem? <laughs> he was the commander, general, army guy. I mean, he was very good at giving orders. Very bad at taking orders. Do you know anybody like Don't lift up your hand. <laughs> very good at telling others what to do. Very hard to submit. <laughs> Am I making sense? <laughs> and so, was there any power in the water? No. <laughs> Why did he go? Because he had this pride issue. You see, God will use any excuse to get to the root of your problem. You go with God with one problem, he say, okay, don't worry, I'll take it up, but let's go to the root. <laughs> Give him instructions. Job, I want you to go pray for your friends. God, you call them friends. If I had friends like, they're like Job, you don't need the devil. But these people don't even encourage me. And you want me to go pray for them? Yes! It's a prescription. I remember one time in a meeting like this, after the meeting was over, a woman came to me. She put me to the side. She took up some clothes on top here. And she showed me marks in her body. And she said, listen, I sneakingly come to church this because me and my husband don't have a good relationship. He beats me up. Even if small, small little things happen in the house, you, can, you know, if there's no, the, the food is not good, there's no, I mean, he'll just beat me up, hits me all the time. I tried, and then she gave me a whole story. And then I really felt, felt sad for it. I didn't know what to do. And sometimes you don't know what to do. Listen, we pastors, some, many times we don't know what to do. We don't have a private red phone in our office that we can call God. We just don't know what to do. And so I didn't know what to do. And so, so I said, hey lady, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do, but, but I can pray for you. And I said, hey listen. As I, pray, I laid hands on her. And I prayed for her. And when I prayed for her, suddenly the Lord stirred up something in my spirit. And I, it's almost like I heard my dad's voice say something to me to tell her. And then in the same way, I heard God's voice tell her something. And I gave her instructions. I said, hey, listen, I don't know what your situation is. But this is what the Lord told me to tell you. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get up every morning. And in prayer, I want you to say these words. My husband is God's gift to me. She said, I don't want that kind of gift. (laughs) I said, listen, it's a prescription. Hello, somebody. For everybody, it's different. She said, I don't think I can do that. I said, well, it's up to you. Six years later, I was back in that town. And in another church, there was this couple beaming. And I'm like, who are these people? After meeting, they come running. And this lady comes, kisses me here, kisses me. I said, hey, everybody's watching. You know, who, who are I don't know you. Do I know you? She said, you don't remember me? I said, no, I don't remember. He says, remember you came and this is the church and this is happened. I said, yeah. He said, let me tell you something. My whole life changed. I said, really? God came in through her life, changed her. Today, both of them are pastoring about a thousand people in their church. Had no clue to ministry, no clue to church. The husband never saved. God opened the door. Why? Because many of you here, maybe God is going to give you a prescription. Hey, do this. Am I making sense to you? Number two, God comes as... Another word, if you're not familiar, I'll explain to you. God comes as a chiropractor. Uh-oh. 
and brings alignment. Do you know what a chiropractor is? Let me explain it to you. About 110 years ago, plus chiropractic work began. The way it began is simply like this, that one day Didi Palmer, the man who founded it, was a man, there was a guy working as a janitor who was deaf. And when he was deaf, the Bible, as he was reading the scriptures one day, he said, you know what, he saw a scripture, something happened to him, and he said, you know what, maybe if this guy was deaf, something could happen through medical science, whatever. And so he began to write to him and, and get some back and forth information and found out that this guy wasn't always deaf. And, then, and so he said, what happened? Well, he had an accident. Okay, he had an accident, and he slowly lost his hearing. I said, okay. And so, so Okay, it looks like there are some things out of place in his back. If, because of accident, his back broke, his vertebra is out of place. If we fix it, maybe his hearing come back. And so they practice for about six weeks or so. And after six weeks, suddenly all the, the, the bones in his back were back in place. And this man who was deaf started hearing again. And that's how the chiropractic work began. See, Nikki, what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. Some of you are always saying, God, why don't you speak to me? Why am I not hearing the voice of God? God, where are you? Maybe you don't have a hearing problem. Maybe you have an alignment problem. See, Nikki, what do you mean? What is it that God has spoken to you that you have not done yet? Remember Abraham? God said to Abraham, Abraham, get out of your father's house. Get out from your relatives, right? Get out of your country. Three things. Out of three things, like a good Christian, he only obeyed one. Got out of the country. Get out of your father's house, takes his father with him. Get out of your relatives, takes his nephew Lot with him. He goes a little bit, comes to a place called Haran, and then two-thirds of the way his father dies. Automatically, the second thing gets fulfilled. Number three, a little bit later, the sheep and, and herds multiply. They have a big conflict. And Abraham unnecessarily has to be humble. Unnecessarily has to bend down and say to his nephew, Lot, Lot, listen, look at the grave. Whatever side you see, take that. And unnecessarily he loses part of his inheritance. Genesis 13, 13. The Bible says, and Lot left. Listen to this. Genesis 13, 14. And Abraham saw vision. Up till that time, God is not speaking to him. Why? Because his life is not in obedience. He's not done what he's already been told to do. And so there are many people who are in what I call out of alignment. And they're saying, God speak, God show me, God use. Listen, first question is, is your life in obedience to what he's already told you? Let me just do this first. My time is going number three. God comes as a building inspector. God comes as a building. Wherever you go in this world, hopefully, every city has a code to how to build a building. You cannot say, hey, it's my money. It's my land. I do whatever I want. Because it's my money. And so guess what? <laughs> you buy a piece of land, it's my money. And you start building the house. Listen, you can't just do anyhow. You still have to go find out what the code is and build the house according to the code. Some codes are the same everywhere. For example, uh, code for a staircase or a ladder is the same everywhere. What does that mean? That means the first step 
if it's six inches, every step, six, 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 it has to be like that. If the first step is two inches, everything has to be equal. You cannot say, hey, it's my land, it's my money. I do what I want. First step, six inches. Second step, two feet. It's my house. I want some kind of decor. There is a code. You understand what I'm trying to say? Nikki, what are you trying to say? Many times in a visitation, God comes as a building inspector. Why? Because many times people don't know what the code is. They don't know are, are things going according to the code. They don't know whether their life is aligned to the code. And, and so the building inspector comes and tells us how to stay on track. Nikki, what are you trying to say? We are living in a generation <laughs> that we are getting our codes from everywhere except the Bible. And can I tell you something? Your marriage might be okay according to the worldly standards. But you got to build it according to the word of God. Your children might be okay according to the world. But, but, but the code is the Bible. It has some laws. It has some principles that causes you to raise godly, healthy, fearing, God-fearing children. And we are not building according to the government, not building according to society. We are building according to the word of God. Number four, God comes for divine intervention. He comes for divine intervention. What does that mean? That means the Bible says, and God visited Sarah. When something was impossible in the natural, God says, don't worry. I can come in and turn the impossibility into possibility. And so many times in visitation, God comes. Why? Because there are some impossible things. You need the supernatural. Let me do this last one and I'll close with this. It's number five. Number five. God comes as an investor. Remember the story of the parable of the talent. He comes, gives to one five, two, one. Many times in a visitation, God comes. Why? Because he wants to make a deposit. Invest something. Whether it's favor, whether it's a gift, whether it's an open door, whether it's a relationship. He invests something in your life to open a door for you to go the direction. A visitation of God. Would you stand with me? I want us to read a verse and I want to pray. Isaiah chapter number 6, verse 1. You see, there is a connection between death and visitation. Joseph said in in Genesis 50, When I die, the Lord will surely visit you. There's a connection. So I want to read a verse to you. Chapter number 6, verse 1. Isaiah 6, can we put it? Oh, yeah, there it is. I want you to see this verse, okay? It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, at times in the scripture, it would say something like this. When it talks about dates, if you translate it in today's day in our language, it would say on August 25, 1940. Or it would say, you know, November 3rd. You know, of course, it uses the Hebrew calendar, Nisan, and, and the month Siv, and all this kind of stuff. But, but, but it uses language just like we use language. 
it'll give us dates but in this particular one it does not give date it says in the year king Uzziah died what does that mean Uzziah you see everybody even people here everybody in the Bible <laughs> were known by a phrase or a name for example David a man after God's own heart Abraham the father of our faith okay. you look at Peter denied Jesus <laughs> whether it's for good things everybody's known by name Uzziah was known by this one thing it was called pride anybody there's a Uzziah oh what an arrogant king Uzziah that guy is so prideful <laughs> so now let me read it to you a different way in the year that pride died in the leadership over our nation hello somebody in the year that pride died over the leadership of our nation I saw the Lord if you're going to have a visitation of the Lord something's gotta die what do you mean maybe it's pride maybe it's our way of doing things we've always done it something's gotta die and this morning by the Holy Spirit some of you God is gonna speak to you Would you close your eyes and let me just pray and then hand over it to Pastor Chris in just a moment. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. And this morning, Lord, for every person here, release your grace upon them right now. Open up their heart. Lord, speak to them. Maybe some of them, Lord, they need a prescription. Some of them, they need an alignment. Some of them, they have walked away from the biblical principles and they don't know the code whether it's for their marriage or their children or their life some of them they need intervention some of them they need a deposit Holy Spirit would you speak to them and release life to them release life if you are sick in your physical body I want you to just kind of lay your hands where your sickness is in your physical body that you have some kind of illness because I just sense the Lord healing somebody with a frozen shoulder right shoulder frozen someone you have a bleeding problem uh, it's like when you go to the toilet you've been seeing some blood whatever it is just right now Father in the name of Jesus Christ would you release healing right now I speak to every bone, every flesh, every blood vessel every vein right now line up to the word of God and be made whole thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus you know the presence of God is here the anointing is here the anointing is here some of you from today onwards will start to dream dreams some of you there is an, like an intercession anointing falling upon you you know I'm seeing a vision right now and I want to say this out loud Pastor Chris I just want to say this out loud over the church you know I, I see this church I see you hosting school I see this word school at this location and in this, this ministry you will have a school not just educational but a Bible school both areas I see it like a ministry center 
I see God expanding you more and more. I see this place to be like a healing center for even ministers who have fallen, even those pre- those preachers, even those people in the ministry who have been burned out, who, who just need rest. I see the Lord expanding. And those kind of people coming to this ministry, getting healed, getting whole. I see this place as a training. You, you, you'll have schools, you'll have people coming you see, wanting to get trained in this church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Lord, I prophesy that in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, Chris, I just see even ministers and ministries actually moving to this city. They say, we want to move and we want to be part. We want to base our ministry from this church. And I see this whole city and this church becoming like a, a lighthouse to the nation. God opening doors in the government. God opening doors in, in different, different sectors. And giving wisdom, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just thank you. Lord, I bless this church. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing that they carry. I thank you, Lord, for the leadership capacity. A leader's training center, I pray, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. Bless them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take a few more moments. Just wait in His presence. Thank you, Lord. Just take a few moments. Just reflect on all that He's been saying to us today. There's more. There is more corporately, individually. Because it's not about us, it's about His kingdom. And just as in that Old Testament verse, he says, his eyes go forth looking for that one person. Who can I send? I believe in this season, he's looking for people. Who can I send? Who will go for me? And he equips us. He equips us. He takes the, as Nikki was saying, the most unlikely. <laughs> and he uses for his glory visitation is more than just an experience sometimes when we talk of visitation that's the only picture that sometimes comes to our mind an atmosphere a feeling and that is there times God does that at times he comes in a different way because he wants to work in us in order to work through us I'm just taking one more minute. Say, yes, Lord, yes. Yes. In the quiet of your heart, if you mean that, you just say, yes, Lord. Yes. Whatever you want. Whatever's your script. Not my script. Even if it means you want me to just go back and doing something that I thought not moving forward I'm just saying yes Lord because you are realigning you're prescribing 
you're putting the cords reminding us of the cords I just sense this is a season now that's the next few weeks God is just bringing his church to a place that we're meant to be individually hearts said before him God I do not understand I don't even need to know something just want me to say yes and then he'll begin to speak begin to download yes father we are available we are yours and you take care of everything else seek first all these things don't worry the Lord says do not worry do not worry about tomorrow what you're going to eat what you're going to wear been through those phases know what it is when we give him everything he comes he provides he opens doors he does the supernatural take us Lord afresh this morning all of us as a fellowship together everyday people as we say ordinary people in the hands of an extraordinary God I know we don't normally do this but I just feel led to do if you're not comfortable don't do that but just hold hands with someone on your side just take one minute to pray with each other if you're okay if you're not okay that's fine but just pray just pray with them just for one minute make a one two minute prayer say Lord bless us together you can do that at Rehoboth as well say Lord here we are 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 there is more I just feel that word this morning take the lid off the Lord says take the lid off there is much more there is much more don't be settled at the level that you are at there is more open our eyes to see today the possibilities in your kingdom open our eyes open our eyes open our imagination that when we begin to run and gallop under the unction of your spirit things begin to happen he's calling his church back to its rightful place of authority in the land a prophetess and all those different things that Nikki was saying yes father Yes, this morning, prepare us. Help us to respond as one unit together. One heart, one mind, one spirit. We need Amen. 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 Don't let what the Lord deposited be stolen, forgotten tends to happen we go back home everything else comes in but there are moments God deposits something a word like a seed meditate on it mull upon it let the spirit breathe life but all of us together are the end time move all every 
single person needed on board in this season. Let's do this together. Let's run together. Amen. And all of God's people say, Amen. Let's give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. Let's sing that song as we bring our service to an end.